Hi everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Dissecting Dexter. It's been a long time since I last spoke to you, this extended hiatus that kind of reflects my general lack of motivation for podcasting, I guess. I'm just burnt out, I suppose, and lacking in a bit of motivation. I have done a couple of uh, Gareth's Waste of Times over the last few months, um, so if you subscribe to both, you'll have been able to keep in touch with me through that one. The Season 3 rewatch will be along. I just can't promise when. Um, it's certainly my intention to do it. I guess... Yeah, shall I commit to doing one before Christmas? <laughs> yes, I will say it now. I will begin the Season 3 rewatch before Christmas. There we go, it's out there. Uh, but for now, I'm very happy to get some content out on the Dissecting Dexter feed. It's a crossover podcast. I guested on the Hungry for Hannibal podcast, which is hosted by our good friend Mike Lanick, who regular listeners will know as a frequent contributor to Dissecting Dexter, not only through feedback to the regular shows, but he's also been a frequent uh, guest on the Roundtable podcast that we've done. And you'll know Mike is a very intelligent and thoughtful analyst of TV shows he's passionate about, as you know from his Dexter feedback. And he does the same uh, for Hannibal, which is another top quality show, one that uh, I've really got into over the last, well, over its first two seasons. And this special podcast is a Dexter versus Hannibal showdown, if you like. Uh, obviously, we're both fans of both shows uh, so we don't give either one a, a, <laughs> a panning but it's a discussion in which we compare and contrast both shows looking at strengths and weaknesses analyzing the central characters they're comparing contrasting the way in which they have become serial killers how they operate uh, what their motivation is looking at supporting characters, storylines, quality of writing, quality of acting, themes, uh, the tone and feel of both shows, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, we had a fun conversation. We do spoil both shows up to, including the uh, up to and including the end of season two of both shows. Um, so obviously don't listen if you haven't finished uh, both those seasons um we also there is also one or two things that pop up from subsequent dexter seasons uh particularly the end of season four uh so if you're not caught up with dexter primarily to the end of season four perhaps avoid this one <laughs> uh, until you are uh but i'll not waffle any longer let's uh get straight into it i hope you enjoy it and uh if you do Please uh, show your support for Mike and subscribe to his Hungry for Hannibal podcast. It's a great show. Uh, he goes, like, like we did with Dexter, he goes week by week as Hannibal airs. Of course, the new season of Hannibal will be on, I think, sometime into the new year. I don't know if it'll be February, something like that. Uh, I haven't seen a date yet. But uh, subscribe to his feed and you won't miss out. And for Dissecting Dexter, which will return, looking at season three... Perhaps, 
Perhaps I could put a call out now for feedback. Anyone who's got thoughts on the opening episode of Season 3 of Dexter, in which we uh, first meet the character of Miguel Prado, please send it in, dissectingdexter at gmail.com, and I will be very glad to hear from you. And uh, that will spur me on to uh, recording that first review podcast of Season 3. Okay, here we go. Here's Mike and me <laughs> as a guest star on Hungry for Hannibal, Hannibal versus Dexter. Residing deep within Happy Valley in central Pennsylvania, here is your host, Michael Lannick. Hey everyone, and uh, we're here for a special podcast. Uh, uh, my co-host for this podcast is Gareth Watkins. Hello, Gareth. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me on. My uh, my tummy's rumbling. I'm hungry for some Hannibal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm hungry for Hannibal too, and uh, I, it's the months just don't seem to be going by quick enough uh, to the next season, which I'm ex- really excited to uh, to get to. Um, but we, for all the people out there that are listening to this, this podcast, uh, Gareth and I have, uh, tossed about this idea for a few months, uh, with a, a Dexter versus Hannibal, uh, podcast where we kind of look at the show, uh, through t- each show through two seasons, kind of compare and contrast, uh, and see, you know, is there one that you feel might be, you know, having done things better, uh, or the other and, um, uh, and I just think it'd be uh, a whole lot of fun because, in a way, you get to you get to go back in time and you get to you know really talk about Dexter when you can really say that it was really in its heyday, its glory, uh, maybe its perfect moment. Those first you know two seasons are you know maybe the very best the show ever had, and and that's saying something because there was you know um, a fair amount of uh, good Dexter seasons there, but. Um, and the same could be said with Hannibal. You know, through two seasons, uh, it's been an excellent show. And I just think it'd be great to kind of talk about two shows, two serial killer shows, uh, and, uh, you know, two fan bases that are very, very passionate about those shows. So, Gareth, uh, you know, what do you think uh, about each show in general through two seasons? Okay, well, let me set my stall out right off the bat um and and this won't come as a surprise to uh, to you or anyone who knows me <laughs> uh, i'm more of a fan of dexter than hannibal kel surprise i do a podcast about it um it won't won't surprise anybody who knows me so i'll get this out there right away i've always found dexter a much more all-round enjoyable watch more entertaining but that's that's me as a viewer however it is weird to compare them like this because although they're both shows about serial killers hiding in plain sight and working closely with the police or FBI in the case of Hannibal, they're so different to each other too, not least in their overall tone. Dexter from the off always had that undertone of dark humour. It's one of the things that draws us to the character of Dexter from the get-go. His quirky perspective of the world and his quirky view of people in particular and even though horrible murders are happening the humor 
for me, the warmer characters and the colourful backdrop, the lively backdrop of Miami, just made the whole thing feel less dark. Meanwhile, Hannibal is so undeniably dark and cold and bleak. The tone is largely humourless. Not completely, because it does have its occasional moments. And, and the acts that are depicted are so twisted and evil and depraved. It's by no means a feel-good show. While Dexter, right from the beginning, for me, had a warmer set of characters. Uh, people like Batista, you, you could imagine having a beer with him. Deb was vulnerable and sweet, despite her potty mouth. You've got Masuka with his pervy, warped sense of humour. Even more serious characters like Lundy in season two, he was shown to have warmth. And, and of course, Sergeant Dokes was just all kinds of awesome. <laughs> but in Hannibal, I, they, they've just not depicted the characters in this way. And I, I suppose that's just fitting with the overall tone of the show. Um, but you've got Will as a central character, or one of the two central characters. He's, he's almost as humorless as a man can get. We, we've got a little... We got a little uh, twisted humour this season from Mason, but he's he's such a disgusting, horrible individual that his humour doesn't lift the tone of the show for me. But that being said, Hannibal never set its stall out as a show with a dark sense of humour like Dexter did. It's a very different beast. So my expectations from the get-go were for a dark and serious show, and I don't have a problem with that. So... To answer your question about comparing the two shows at the end of their second seasons, and you've already alluded to this, Dexter was at its peak. I was absolutely loving it. Season one was just about perfect for me. Season two, for me, suffered a tiny bit because I never particularly warmed to the character of Lila, but any negatives about her were overshadowed by the introduction of Keith Carradine as Lundy. And the brilliant stuff throughout the season between Dexter and Dokes, we'd finished two very strong seasons of television. Hannibal has also given us some very good storytelling. It's been gripping and chilling, disturbing to the extreme. It's been tremendously well acted. And I'd say that after two seasons, it definitely trumps Dexter there when you take an average in the acting stakes. It's undeniably a show of the very highest quality in terms of acting and writing and production values. And although the bleakness and horror in the show never leaves you feeling all warm and fuzzy, <laughs> in fact, it often leaves me wanting to have a cold shower. But despite all that, I find it enthralling television one of the best new shows of recent years without question the state of hannibal at the end of season two um like dexter it was in a very exciting place i was a little surprised that they pulled the trigger on people finding out about hannibal or people other than will anyway it's it's a game changer but that's fine I'm sure the writers have a plan, but it probably means we won't get the same fascinating conversational scenes between Will and Hannibal anymore. I mean, I'm sure they'll be head to head again at some stage, but those thoughtful, multi-layered scenes of dialogue were just captivating. And um, I think that's an advantage that Hannibal's had over Dexter comparing the two shows so far. Which one's better at this point? I can only answer that from 
the perspective of what I enjoy the most, and that would be Dexter. But that's not to say Hannibal is a lesser show. I, I really like it, and I can't wait for next season. It's just that for me personally, Dexter was a far more overall entertaining viewing experience. Yeah, okay. I, you know what? I, I Honestly, I can't uh, disagree with really anything that you've said. I think that you laid it out really, really well. Um, you know, for me, and this is a person, you know, like I said, I'm doing a Hannibal podcast, obviously, but I can honestly say that, that like you, um, I spent much of the last decade, uh, you know, being an uh, absolute Dexter fanatic, a nut, you know, which, you know, you can tell because, you know, I listened to, you know, Dexter podcast. I obviously, you know, I sent in emails and, and voicemails to the Dissecting Dexter podcast. So I was actively involved in a community of people uh, that talked about, you know, about Dexter quite a bit and, and you know, and, and offered a lot of a lot of theories, um, angles on whatever uh, events were going on in that particular season that we were talking about. And I agree with, with the tone of Dexter. I mean, Dexter uh, maybe started to suffer uh, the tone-wise, the playful tone, maybe I would say probably after Rita was killed. It, it started to – the dark, humorous tone, I think, started to dissipate more over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right, especially in its in its heyday – I'd say through the through the first three or four seasons, especially that that humor was always there because you know Dexter was always trying to discover who he was, and you're right that twisted uh, view of humanity that he had, which was always kind of hilarious because a lot of times he was wrong about so much. But you know, with with Hannibal in comparing the two. You're right, with the tone not being the same, because you're right, Hannibal is uh, a much darker show. It never set out to be funny. Uh, There are moments, definitely, uh, especially in season two, I think, where they did try to inject some dark humor into the show a little bit. Uh, And it worked, uh, you know, sometimes to really help out, because season two, I think, was maybe the the darkest of, of two seasons of Hannibal. So they knew they needed to at least inject a little bit of humor into the show, uh, even if they couldn't put too much in. But for me, both shows were so amazing at this point in their their evolution. Uh, Dexter, uh, the first season, you're right. Look, for... <laughs> Season one for for me for Dexter is among the greatest seasons of any show that I've ever watched, and for Hannibal, and you know I'm going to toss this out there because I don't know that I I may not have ever said it on the on my podcast, but when it was announced that they were making a show on Hannibal, uh, that or uh, Hannibal Lecter, I thought it was going to bomb. I thought it was it was going to be one of those shows that was going to pop up for maybe three or four episodes. It was going to get lambasted by critics. Nobody was going to watch it. And then it was going to just disappear. And it would be one of those, you know, trivia questions that you read, you know, somewhere where someone said, uh, you know, something about Hannibal uh, show and what year did it come out? And that was the extent of it. But I'll be honest, the, 
the time that I, the first time I sat down and watched the pilot, when I got to the end, I realized that I couldn't have been more wrong and how good the pilot was and how good the show already seemed to be and how three-dimensional the characters already were. Um, so for me, to go from someone who honestly had very little desire to sit and watch the show to suddenly deciding to want to, you know, to do a podcast, it just goes to show, I think, the quality uh, that, that the show has given us because you're right, the acting is, is amazing. I don't know that I ever thought that anybody could step into Anthony Hopkins' shoes and even do it justice. And, you know, Mads Mikkelsen, I think, has done uh, an amazing job, you know, far above and beyond what I ever thought he was capable of. And he's a fine actor, and I knew that well before he even did the show, but, you know, um, he's done a fantastic job. And, and all the characters, uh, especially Will, have shown us so many different layers, dark layers, but many different layers to their characters. And so, you know, you're right with, but on Dexter's side, you're right with Batista, uh, Mizuka, you know, even Quinn early on, especially. Um, again, but he didn't come in until season three, so I guess he doesn't really count. But, but you know, all the characters and Dokes and... And, and Batista and everybody, they were just very vibrant. And I think the, the setting, the Miami setting, the music, um, all of that really gave Dexter a unique flair that just didn't exist, especially at the time. Uh, so with, but with Hannibal, it's a much darker show. Uh, the setting is certainly not Miami. Uh, a lot of things take place at night or it's cold and it's snowy and it's just miserable out. And it, you know, it's used to reflect the mood and the the dynamics that are going on between all the characters. You're listening to the Hungry for Hannibal podcast. Yeah, definitely. Um, just as you're talking there, another thought occurs to me of, of a big difference between the two shows is the central characters, the the central killer characters shall we say and of course dexter and hannibal themselves um that dexter from the off was portrayed as somebody who is a serial killer let's not make any bones about it um he's doing bad things but and this is where um the moral ambiguity came into the show for us as an audience rooting for such a person he was killing bad guys um he made sure that his victims deserved it before he would go near them. Uh, whereas Hannibal, I would say, is, <laughs> is far, he's much further gone <laughs> than Dexter. Um, he kills anybody who gets in his way. Um, he, uh, and of, <laughs> lest we forget what he does to the bodies after he's killed them. Um, so th- there's, there's those two very, the two very different, killers they're both serial killers but that's that's almost where the similarities end really in that regard um so for dexter we uh we almost cheered for him as he as he dispatched his uh his kill of the week um you know the latest the latest bad guy to deserve his uh kill table whereas hannibal um he's 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 killed characters that we've grown attached to 
to some extent. Um, he's killed innocents, uh, something that um, Dexter was was against, certainly for the most part. Um, so that's that's a big fundamental difference between the two shows as well. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I couldn't agree more. You're right. I mean, with with Hannibal, um, he's a man who's been doing this for a very long time. You could almost say, in a way, you could look at it in two ways. Uh, Dexter is, well, Dexter would be Hannibal, maybe without the eating of the bodies. But in terms of just who he is, Dexter would have been Hannibal Lecter uh, if it wasn't for Harry. Or you could say that... uh, Brian, Dexter's brother, the ice truck killer, is also in the same vein as, as Hannibal in that he killed whenever he wanted for his own twisted reasons and was unrepentant for it. And it was only the intervening of, of Harry that actually allowed Dexter to live to be the age that we even get to see him in the first season. So the fact that Hannibal Lecter has managed to somehow, uh, you know, do this all his for a majority of his life, uh, and still be alive is a testament to both his intelligence, which uh, I think we can all agree is is pretty uh, high up there, and yeah. uh, his ability to be a chameleon, um, which I think is very similar to Dexter. Dexter did a, an amazing job too because he was able to kind of is as <laughs> awkward as he appeared at times, he he was able to blend in to, you know, the workforce of Miami Metro and that's always a great camouflage even if you do come off as a little weird. Whereas with Hannibal, he's exceptionally intelligent. He's a he's a psychiatrist and again, that is a respected profession which allows him a certain amount of cover which keeps, you know, him from being caught. And, you know, but you're right. The similarities between between Hannibal and, and Dexter are, they're only very basic to a certain extent. Everything else layered on top of their characters is different because they go, they come at life from entirely different perspectives. Dexter comes at life as someone searching um, like we, you know, like it's always been said, is like uh, Pinocchio trying to be a real boy. Um, he's coming at the world in the, from a different angle. Whereas Hannibal, he's already accepted the world he wants, and he's willing to do whatever he has to to ensure that his world stays the way he needs it to be, to function, to enjoy all the things that that make up his life, um, which obviously includes plenty of killing. Uh, cooking, eating human bodies, and serving it to uh, unsuspecting guests, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Hannibal certainly is clearly very comfortable in his own skin, no pun intended, and uh, shows no signs of any remorse, uh, no signs of ever wanting to be any different. He is how he is. And that's it. Like like you say, he'll do whatever it takes to preserve his world in the way he needs it to be, to function. Whereas Dexter, as time goes on, I mean, at the beginning, he's just accepted that he's a monster. 
he's got to kill, he needs to kill, this is how it is. Um, but as the seasons progress, um, obviously we're getting outside the scope of the first two seasons um, a little bit, but his the overall arc of, of the show was his journey, his personal journey, um, realising that perhaps, well, ever so slowly he starts to realise that maybe he's not the monster he'd written himself off as and um, starts to realise that perhaps he could actually be normal, be like everybody else. Maybe, just maybe, he could stop killing and um, and it almost becomes his the, the holy grail uh, that he's seeking. Uh, and, and that forms his character arc, really, the bulk of his character arc throughout the show's run, whereas Hannibal so far is... And I... I <laughs> to my knowledge, uh, is never any different. He, he is how he is. He's a, a complete and utter evil psychopath, and um, and that's it. He's set in stone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, that's pretty much that's pretty much Hannibal in a nutshell. Um, and, and <clears throat> the idea of improving himself is laughable uh, because for, for Hannibal, you almost view... I almost feel like he views himself as perfect um in his own way i mean does he know what he is i'm pretty sure he knows exactly what he is uh he makes no apologies for it um he'll take life he'll do what he needs to do for himself but he won't apologize to anyone for 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 what he is which is in a, in a way is admirable you know it's weird but it's almost admirable to to uh to know yourself and to know yourself in such a way that you are who you are, but you're fine with that. Um, not to stray off into a weird tangent here, but I just I, I, this thought occurred to me. Um, as everyone knows, I'm a I'm a big tennis fan. So uh, Andre Agassi has this autobiography that he wrote about five years ago, and I've I've probably read it maybe five times since then. And he talks about um, a couple of people in particular, but there's one person, uh, Jimmy Connors, who was an older tennis player in the 70s and 80s. And he said, you know, Jimmy Connors in the book was how he was. He was uh, often rude, um, not a nice person to the other players in the locker room. Uh, but despite all of that, years later, when he saw him, in, you know, like 20 years later, he was still the exact same person that he was 20 years earlier, and nothing had changed about him. And and so the reason I kind of, you know, tossed that in there is because that's basically Hannibal. Hannibal is like that, in which you could imagine that 20 years ago, he is probably about the same as he is now, not much different, you know. He hasn't changed much, and he is who he is. He doesn't make any apologies for it, and you're just going to have to accept it, which, you know, for Hannibal Lecter is, well, you have one choice, and if you don't accept, then you might be food tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's a question I want to toss out, and <clears throat> the question is uh, each show has pioneered either a color palette or a distinctive look to the show. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the distinctive look of each show, and do you favor one or the other? 
Well, um, we've kind of touched on this a little bit in that Dexter was always a much brighter show, more colourful. Uh, we've mentioned the Miami setting, although it was, of course, um, most of it was shot in Los Angeles. Uh, I think it was just the pilot they shot in Miami, wasn't it? Um, But the ocean was never far away, and the overall palette was usually warm, except in certain scenes like the kill rooms. But Dexter was never renowned for its great cinematography or imagery, even though overall it was a nice-looking show and pretty consistent visually. Hannibal, on the other hand, has been a feast for the eyes since the first episode. As long as you've got a strong stomach, of course, (laughs) it's helped by being able to portray all those gruesome tableaus, which are open goals for the design department, and they never let us down. The visuals are often startling and shocking. They actually, um, back at the beginning of the show, I was reminded of the tableaus on Dexter back in season six, uh, but Hannibal took them to the next level. The palette of the show... Hannibal, that is, focuses, of course, very much on the darker tones, blues, just just gives everything a colder feel. It makes the Hannibal universe feel like one without warmth, um, uh, a grim and bleak place made this way, of course, by the terrible crimes that are being committed. And it fits. It fits with the themes of the show. But it's not just the production design. It's the cinematography, too. It's such a cinematic show beautifully framed something that i don't think we can say about dexter as good as it often was it was i i would i would never describe it as cinematic hannibal is a gorgeous looking show beautifully realized and it really deserves some award recognition for this something that i don't believe it's had yet no, no, it hasn't, uh, which I think is a real shame, um, to be honest with you. I know everyone everyone has shows, uh, not to jump into this too much, but everyone has shows, um, and Dexter is one of those shows, I think, that also really suffered uh, over the years in terms of getting the kind of award recognition that we all felt the show deserved, especially uh, Jennifer Carpenter. I think we've all, anybody that's that's watched the show, would I think admit that she was uh, phenomenal, and she yeah. only seemed to get better, which is it's really a, a saying something because she was never weak from the from the start, and I think with Hannibal it, it's the same. Um, like we like you said earlier in, in the opening of the podcast, the the acting is of the highest caliber, and you know you would think that considering how critically adored the show is and and how often people talk about the exceptional acting and the the look and the direction and, and everything else that makes up the show that it would get some of that love but but it seems like every year there's always shows that don't seem to get it and and i think with hannibal do the ratings the lower ratings have anything to do with it possibly it, it's possible is it the dark um subject matter it's again that's also something that could be uh an issue with some of the the people but but the thing is you're right getting getting back to what we're really talking about which is the look um the palette is is so you're right so stark in in nature compared to dexter but you're right it's a, it's it's a beautiful coldness to it um and has been commonly expressed 
uh, online, it, it's Dexter or not Dexter, but Hannibal is elegant horror is what mm. most people kind of describe the, the show as, which I think is probably a fitting description because it seems to, to be a real hallmark of the show. It's, it's as important an element of the show, I think, as any actor or any character itself. Yeah, I like that phrase, elegant horror. I think that's very appropriate. Yeah, uh, Dexter always just looked like a TV show. Um, I never knocked it for that. But when, then when you see a show like Hannibal, um, and there's one or two other shows around as well, uh, that w- obviously it's not, not a Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad podcast, but um, you know there are other shows around that are, are filmed equally well cinematically. And when you watch them, they you could be watching a film sat in the cinema watching a film, whereas Dexter always felt like you're watching a TV show. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, if, if you go back to Dexter around the time that it came out, it was uh, 2005. Um, <clears throat> I think we were, we were entering a, a transition period uh, where HDTVs were just finally starting to kind of go a little more mainstream. Uh, HD channels were... I don't even know if they even if there was even HD channels at the time. Um, so I think by the time though that you know shows like Breaking Bad and of course Game of Thrones rolled out, we were fully in the HD era. Uh, TVs, HD TVs were proliferating. You know, a lot of uh, houses. I know. I don't know about over you know over in England, but I know in the U.S. here, it's just everyone seems to have an HD TV today. So yeah. it's it's just one of those things where I feel like. If you're going to make a show now, uh, you better make it beautiful because everyone's got a high-definition television. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, it just seems like you want the details to pop. So I think that it just goes to show that that kind of, uh, you know, cinematic look can be a real positive uh, at this point of, of where we're at and what is, you know, most people call a golden age of, t- of television. Mm. So, um, so let's let's uh, talk a little bit about um, about storytelling for the show through two seasons. Um, you know, let's let's how about let's discuss uh, Dexter a little bit, and then we'll transition in, into Hannibal in terms of what we've witnessed. And you know, when I say storytelling, I don't necessarily mean a, a twist, but it just seems like with Dexter and Hannibal, the first two seasons, uh, especially for Dexter season one, really uh, showed us a, some real twists or some real twists there in the storytelling, which I think most people really were surprised by. And so, you know, let's jump into De- talking about the storytelling in Dexter a little bit and how strong you think it was through two seasons. Yeah, well, as as we both agree, um, season one of Dexter was. As I said earlier, for me, a, a near perfect season of television. Um, and the writing, the storytelling for that season was, was a big part of that. It was wonderfully paced. It didn't reveal, it, it, it revealed its cards at the right time. Um, there were, there were twists and turns, but I think I think it was constructed 
really well to allow us time to get to know Dexter as a person to start with, establish him as a as a killer, establish him in his awkward place within society, shall we say, within the workplace, trying to fit in um, his awkwardness with his equally awkward girlfriend, equally damaged. No, not equally damaged, but damaged in her own way. Um, and being drawn to this, this serial killer that seemed to be playing with him, sending him messages and the message is getting more and more personal as we get along. So we get that increasing sense of what, what the hell's going on? Who is this? Who is this killer? Who is he to Dexter? We get the reveal of um, what happened to Dexter, the traumatic event that planted the seed of this quote unquote psychopath, <laughs> this, uh, this serial killer within him. Um, and of course the reveal of Brian later on. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was terrifically constructed, really well paced and really well done. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. I think, uh, you know, season one for De- Dexter, um, you know, th- through the whole series, maybe the twist in season four, uh, can compare, but it definitely, I think, was at its, I hate to say at its best because I think season two is exceptionally well done. There was no twist to season two, which you don't need to necessarily have a twist to, to have good storytelling. But, but, but Dexter constructed its season one in such a way that you were simultaneously learning all about Dexter, what he does, who he is as a person, finding out that maybe he isn't quite so damaged as he seems to think he is. Uh, maybe there is a uh, room in his life for more uh, than just him and, and, and Deb. And, but, you know, intertwined with all of that character stuff, which was absolutely phenomenal, was a, a th- threads that kind of wove together and it went done in such a way that by the time you got to the end of the season and, you know, a big reveal happens uh, with Brian you just suddenly go, whoa, how how did I not see that coming? But at the same time, it's so amazing that they did it because it's it's just so well-crafted. And uh, it's it's only a few shows, I think, out there can really compare to that level of craftsmanship um, of Dexter's season one uh, twist. But even, you know, if you jump into there, go from, you know, season, you know, at the end of season one, there was the reveal of Dexter's bodies. Season two, we jump into that, and it's just another roller coaster ride. But the stakes get higher. See, that's I think what was so exceptionally well done with Dexter is that season one was a much more, almost a much more personal journey for Dexter. You know, we were introduced to his world, uh, the the people around him, the people that mattered, the the major players. And that was great. And then you slide into season two, and all of a sudden, everybody knows. They don't know that he's responsible, but people know there's someone out there. We should fear him. We've now seen his dirty work. And big the big guns, the FBI, Lundy, all of them get called in. And so the way that they transition to season one being a, a very much more personal story for Dexter 
and then you expand it in season two, that the stakes get raised even higher. Uh, that to me is just that's just amazing story storytelling for me. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And uh, of course, the stakes were raised in season two of Hannibal. Uh, season one, as I say, I, I, I've not read. I think I said to you before we started recording, I've not read any of the uh, any of Thomas Harris's books. Um, my experience of, of Hannibal Lecter prior to this show was um, uh, Anthony Hopkins in the role, and uh, and of course the earlier Michael Mann film Manhunter. Um, so I didn't have. I didn't have too much baggage, I guess, is what I'm trying to say coming into the show. Um, so I really appreciated how the show took its time establishing the characters of Will and Hannibal and to a lesser extent the uh, some of the supporting characters. Um, and I enjoyed the time they took over having the two go through these, these multi-layered conversations um, but also in season one, there was very much a procedural element to the show with the serial killer of the week. Uh, there was much more of that in season one. And they they seemed to drop that. Uh, and I guess that's maybe typical of, of any show in its first season. They they kind of feel their way. The show can still be a bit malleable as they find their pace, get into their groove. And the creators sort of work out what they want the show to be um you quite often see that with shows uh, in their first season is that how they start this first season isn't how they finish it if you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and, and hannibal was very much like that um i was appreciative of the time they took it was a slow burn of a show um but they did have the payoffs they did have um what's the phrase I'm looking for? They had they had sort of storyline payoffs through the season as as they got there, as they caught the killer of the week where where applicable. Um so you did get things to sort of keep you going. You weren't just waiting until the, the finale for the um the big payoff at the risk of repeating the phrase payoff too much. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, and I was surprised how the season ended. Uh, the way it did with uh, between Will and Hannibal, and um, you know, it was a bit of a game changer. And we had a game changer again at this at the end of season two. Uh, and of course, season two was very different, turning the tables uh, with Will being the the focus of suspicion um, and the cat and mouse game that was being played. Uh, us thinking is 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 Will for real? Is he acting? Is he is he turning to the dark side? Um, does Hannibal know that he's being played? If he's being played, um, it was an emotional, more of an emotional roller coaster. Um, and of course, the show took its chance at the beginning of season two, revealing one of the final scenes of the season with the the fight between um, Crawford and um, Hannibal. As tremendous as it was, it was quite surprising to think, crikey, well, we know where this season's going. <laughs> um, but it didn't detract from the season for me. It didn't. And, uh, and then when we saw it again in the finale, I was, I was still there rooting, rooting for Jack all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, as I say, that season two being more of an emotional roller coaster made the season far more satisfying for me as a viewer. And um, I, I think the show really succeeded this season um, in in the storytelling department over season one. W- would you agree? Uh, yeah, I, I do agree, and and I I agree while. Still, I still hold um, season one in, in extremely high regard. Um, I, I guess I'll go over season one a little bit and give you my thoughts on that. Mm. I think the reason why I really enjoy season one, I know there's a, a lot of uh, the procedural aspect to the show, for sure. Um, but what I found really great is that if you go back and you watch season one and really pay attention to Hannibal, Early on in the season, I think maybe only only two or three episodes into the season, if you go back, having known what happens at the end when, when uh, Hannibal uh, frames Will for all the things that have been happening all season, then – but you can see that. You, you see him go into his cabin. You see him touching his fly fishing, uh, his lures that, that – uh, will makes by hand, uh, sitting down uh, at his at his table to where where his lures are. You can see him going back in retrospect, planting, getting things ready, and it's so it's so amazing because you, it's it's not anything you really pay attention to. I mean, you know who Lecter is, you know what he's capable of doing, but at that point, you're not suspicious of what he's doing, really. Um, so, but you can see that in different times all throughout the season as he's preparing to do something he feels he may have to do. And he's like, almost like he's getting to a point where he's protecting himself, putting in a plan in motion, uh, to protect his life and his way of life if the need be. And it did eventually need to happen, at least according to him. And so the end result was one of those things that I really enjoy. Uh, when if you go watch a show or a movie where all throughout the show when you get to the end and there's a big twist or a big payoff and you kind of realize that they were dropping clues all along and you didn't really notice it. It's kind of like um, the twist at the end of The Sixth Sense. Uh, I won't mention that that, that spoiler <laughs> because I, we can talk spoilers and all that stuff with Dexter and Hannibal here. But uh, I just say you know, with the twist at the end of The Sixth Sense, the thing is if you look back throughout the movie – you can see, had you been paying close enough attention or guessing correctly on different things and all this stuff, you may have guessed on something. And yeah. that is something I really appreciate, that that level of storytelling and craft where they're able to actually do that. Because that's not easy to do. It's actually incredibly difficult as a, as a, story, as a storyteller, as a screenwriter. Um, not the easiest thing in the world. So... I really hold season one in high regard, but moving on to season two, I got to agree. Season two exceeds season one. And like I said, that's saying something. You're right. The emotional, uh, the things at stake were much higher. Uh, The emotion that was bubbling underneath each and every scene and seemingly each and every episode was palpable. Um, You could see how angry Will was. You could see that he was, you know, he's in prison and he can't do what he feels he needs to do, um, what he should do 
you know, here's this, he's in prison, he's been framed for, for murders that he didn't commit, um, he knows who did them, and yet he's in no position to do anything about it. So seeing him find ways to manipulate outside events and almost impose his will is is a really great thing. And, and, you know, we're not seeing Will who is hampered by that infection anymore. We're seeing a Will who is fully capable with his full mind and, and intelligence, able to finally be able to bring all that to bear. And, you know, all the roller coaster rides and, and seeing all the twists along the season, you know, characters that we thought were dead, not, um, you know, and at the end, that 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 huge twist with with um, with Abigail. I mean, the thing was when we opened up the season and we saw the end fight with Jack and Hannibal, you thought, okay, well that kind of takes the the dramatic tension out of out of the season, right? Because we know that this is headed. But the fact is. It was just a taste. It was just a, a little taste of what we were getting. Because the fact is, when you got to that scene, that was just the beginning. Once that's once that fight was over with, there was so much more. And we got to see the you know, the stakes that were involved in the death and the brutality that was brought down on on Will, especially, and and uh and Oana as well. It, it's just, um, I think that I think the season season two is is definitely its best season, and I just feel like it if it can if it can if it can maintain the level of its first two seasons going into season three, um, I will be I will be exceptionally pleased. Put it that way. Yeah, my my hats off to the show for not allowing itself to stagnate from one season to the next. Both so far, the two seasons have been very different to each other in their in the way they have been constructed, um, which which we which we kind of covered, and and obviously with the way season two ended, clearly season three is going to be very different again. Um, with all all bets off, Hannibal is the truth about Hannibal is now out there. Um, but so's he; <laughs> he's still out there somewhere. Um, I, I'm fascinated, and, and and I I really commend the show for for doing it this way. And I I, I guess Brian um, Brian Fuller's got it is Brian Fuller, isn't it? Yes, showrunner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, he he has got a um, he has got the show mapped out isn't he season by season he's got he's got a plan i understand yes so um yeah so i'm I'm sure he knows what he's doing and he's earned our trust with these two seasons so um i'm i'm in the palm of his hand <laughs> yeah well me too uh you know until he proves that that he's you know bringing the quality down on this show uh, i pretty much am willing to just sit back and enjoy the ride because I've seen two seasons of exceptional quality. Um, unless there's a, unless he, unless someone else takes over the show, which is always a scary thing. If he's in charge, I, I feel like we're in good hands, which is, is 
I think something every show wishes they could have and they don't always have it. Mm. Um, so here's a question for you, Gareth. Um, let's talk a little bit about weaknesses through, uh, both Dexter and, and Hannibal. Because every, every show, even every show, even the best shows, uh, even just a season by season basis have their weak moments. Uh, maybe it's a certain character or maybe a plot line that just didn't really seem to work so well. And I, th- I think, you know, you alluded to the Lila uh, storyline through season two of Dexter. Uh, would you like to expand a little bit on what you feel the weaknesses are of Dexter um, and Hannibal, um, respectively? Yeah, well, you mentioned Lila. I, what was it about Lila that, that, put me off i mean season two of dexter was um was great there's some tremendous tension and drama throughout the season i don't know if it was the actress with lila that put me off a little bit she was kind of jamie murray her her delivery is kind of i've always struggled to find the right adjective even on when I was talking about her on dissecting Dexter, I, I was never happy with the adjectives I used. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Just something about her that put me off. And I, I don't know if maybe that was maybe that was appropriate for the character that we were meant to get some warning signs not to trust her. Um, and of course, she turned out to be a bit of a bunny boiler. Um, <laughs> but Dexter <laughs> was obviously drawn to this alluring. Uh, attractive woman and um behaved well not i mean not all of us would um would just uh jump into bed with with someone like that but um he did and you can argue that was i mean that's a very human failing when it when he was already um seeing rita to to do such a thing it was a mistake he knew it was a mistake he paid for it and um tried to make amends by uh killing her <laughs> but um yeah so i kind of had i kind of had some reservations about lila as a character but her place in the show was i think appropriate for that point in dexter's story so it was on the one hand i, I guess i could view her character as a little bit of a weakness um the storyline itself fitted um I guess one of the big weaknesses one one of the big weaknesses of of Dexter has always been the way it has treated its supporting cast. Now, I mentioned earlier that one of the things I, I always liked about Dexter was the fact that its supporting cast was the characters were were a lot warmer comparing them to the supporting cast in Hannibal. Um but a criticism, a big criticism by me and, and a large proportion of the audience, certainly listeners of, of my podcast, was um, that quite often the supporting cast were there almost just to make up the numbers, just to fill out the show. And that the storylines they were given often felt just tacked on um, and not really having any bearing if any bearing at all on the central plot of whatever dexter was involved with um 
but to be fair to the show, I don't think that was such an issue in the first two seasons. Um, indeed, the, uh, the, the, the case that Miami homicide were investigating in season two was, was the, the case of all the bodies that, that the Bay Harbor butcher, of course, we know that the Bay Harbor butcher was Dexter. Uh, so they were investi- investigating Dexter, so they couldn't have been more closely involved in his storyline than that. Um, so, but it was certainly a, a weakness more of later seasons. But the supporting cast, certainly for me, um, has been what I would consider a, a weakness of Hannibal. Um, I have felt the show has spent so much time focusing on Will and Hannibal um, that the rest of the cast have been left on the sidelines to a lesser extent in season two because um, we got a lot more of Jack. Um, We saw more of Alana, but her storyline in season two, I thought she was shortchanged a little bit and made to look a bit stupid um the 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 plot of her getting attached to Hannibal and jumping into bed with him just never sat well with me um but I did enjoy the uh the stuff with uh Jack and his his wife uh, and what happened when when Hannibal got involved with that but um the characters the the, the lab guys on Hannibal I, I can't even remember that I don't even know their names if if you told me what they were I I I wouldn't know whether <laughs> whether that was true or not um uh... Yeah, they're uh, Jimmy and Brian. Right. <laughs> yeah, those. I mean, I know their faces, but <laughs> maybe I should pay more attention to the show. Um, <laughs> but uh, we saw a bit more of Beverly in the first half of this season, and then they promptly bumped her off. Um, but I, th- I think a show needs a strong supporting cast. It's right that obviously, you've, and inevitable, you've got your main, you've got your central characters, and, and no one would deny. Hannibal and, and Will in, in their being top of the pile. Um, but I think the show has, um, for me, uh, not done a great job of developing the supporting characters. Uh, they, as I say, they, they did better work with Jack in season two. Um, they tried with Alana, but the storyline didn't really sit with me. Um, and Beverly was, was too little too late. So I, I would say... That is my biggest criticism of of Hannibal so far. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I can't I can't really argue with that. Uh, I think both, like you said, Dexter and Hannibal um, both have had their issues with with the supporting cast. Now, like you said, with with Dexter, you're right. The first season, uh, the storyline itself, and, and the, we were just getting to really know the characters. So they didn't really come off as a weakness so much in season one. And also there was a little more stuff to do, like a little more dramatic work to uh, with, with the characters. For instance, um, Batista had, you know, with his wife that he had left and, and his daughter and all of that. So that kind of provided a nice, uh, you know, emotional and dramatic moment, a little bit of a storyline for him you know, in season one, which was, you know, really nice to see. And they kind of promptly dropped that and never really revisited it uh, ever again, which I really, honestly, I thought that was a big mistake. They really could have found something 
you know, to, to somehow use that, you know, continue to evolve that uh, over time. Um, but yeah, I mean, season two for Dexter, you're right. They were so closely associated with the case that it wasn't a weakness because they actually had a purpose. <laughs> yeah. As we've later realized, you know, as they became less centrally involved in the show, uh, the, the, in the cases and stuff, like they were involved in the, you know, whatever serial killer that Dexter was, you know, dealing with that season, but they were always far separate way out, you know, uh, orbiting far out of the main central narrative, which I think was the biggest mistake that Dexter made. And and moving on to Hannibal, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. The Some of the characters have suffered more than others. Um, I think you're right. Jack was uh, really... More, much more effective this season. He, with his wife and everything and all, and the brilliant, uh, uh, Mazel Tosin, the, the brilliant, uh, storyline for, for his, his wife. Um, it was just, I think Gina Torres did a phenomenal job as Bella. Yeah. And there were some really fantastic, uh, you know, moral questions and things of that nature brought up just by her involved in the few episodes that she was in, but it really gave, it really gave Jack some really nice, uh, you know, things to, to do this season. Um, yeah, Alana to me is the one character I believe in Hannibal more than any other who it's, and I said this on my podcast, you know, uh, this season, I think in the season preview podcast, I said it, I said it, and I'm pretty sure I said it multiple times in the season finale podcast, which was that Alana has really suffered a lot more on this show than I thought she would. When she was first introduced in season one, I could see, I, th- I thought that she was on course to have a really excellent run on the show, however long it lasted. And I, I just, I was, I've been very disappointed in how little her character seems to really be involved in the show itself. Um, like you said, they've tried different things, but the decision to hook up with Hannibal, uh, while on the surface I thought was fine, I, I, it's the one storytelling aspect all season. The only real quibble that I have is that, you're right, they kind of made her almost like pull the wool down over her eyes um, on purpose, you know, um, like she's this intelligent woman and she still, no matter what, just wouldn't accept something that was right there in front of her. And it just, you're right. It made it come off as, as stupid. And that's, I didn't like that. So she was definitely for me, the weak link. Um, but there were some other characters who really seemed to get a bump up this season. And one of them was Chilton. Who I mean, Ro Esparza is <laughs> a, a fantastic Chilton. I mean, he's very much like the Chilton that we know from the from Silence of the Lambs. Uh, I can't remember the actor that plays him, but uh, he does a really great job in this season. Um, and then uh, Bedelia, uh, even though uh, Gillian Anderson wasn't in too many episodes this season, I feel like her character made a mark. 
and really, you know, made the most out of the limited amount of episodes that she was in. So, and, and then of course, you know, you said the, uh, the guys, uh, Jack and, or not Jack, Jimmy and Brian, um, and Beverly. Yeah. They, they kind of tried to expand them a little bit this year, but I feel like they were trying to do as much as they could with a limited amount of real estate, um, to work with. So, yeah, I think that maybe the best thing for, for the show moving forward would be to maybe cut out a character or two um, and just focus on giving those those characters that do exist outside of Will and Hannibal um, and Jack, I would say, even give characters outside of them uh, additional screen time, really pump up their their involvement and really, you know make them more compelling and three-dimensional. And I think if they do that, it could be, you know, it could be excellent. Mm. So that's, that's yeah. kind of, yeah. It, it's, you know, but each show, like I said, each show has its weaknesses. And I think with Hannibal and, and Dexter, I think their supporting cast thing is probably the one that really is afflicts it the most. For sure. Yeah. 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 You see, for, for me to, I, I need to be able to care about, the characters and in Dexter, even though throughout its eight season run, there, there were plenty of times when the supporting characters were let down by the writers and not having anything of significance to do. Um, I, I still warmed to them. Uh, and, and you mentioned Batista, right? I, I mentioned him earlier. Um, I, th- I think he's helped by the performance of David Zayas um, in, in his I think he's just a kind of charismatic and, and warm guy. Uh, well, obviously, I, I interviewed him. I spoke to him, and he's, he, he was like that on, on the phone as well. He was he was much like Batista, really, <laughs> in, in that sense. He, he, he gave off a, um, a certain charisma and, and um, uh, just, just seemed like a, a nice guy that you could imagine yourself having a beer with. Um, so to say, even, even when the characters don't have that much to do, they, they were still for the most part, nice enough people uh, uh, and, and had that element of warmth, which was more fitting with the overall tone of Dexter that we talked about earlier, being an overall warmer show, um, which obviously isn't the tone they're going for with Hannibal. And and maybe that maybe that's um, a weakness of the show is it's it's kind of handicapped by the tone that it's going for, is that um, maybe it works against making the, making the characters warmer do you know what i mean yeah maybe yeah. maybe the writers are kind of handicapped a little by by that by that tone that the show goes for okay uh yeah i mean i, I completely agree with what you're saying is uh there is a bit of a handicap you the worst thing i think you can do as a show actually is change your tone you mm. know uh you can adjust it slightly um, for instance, if you're a comedy uh, and you have a fan base and you suddenly go from a comedy to a very, um, very serious drama, uh, you're not going to you – know, your fans aren't going to be happy. They, they know what they love. Uh, they know the strengths of your show intuitively and you need to make sure that you stay to those strengths. Um, and I think that's – I've seen shows that have uh, in the past have – you know, uh, gone away from their strengths and they've suffered for it. So, uh, with, with, with Hannibal, 
their strengths, some of the strengths I think are also kind of weaknesses. Like you said, uh, the coldness, the, the, the darkness, the uh, unrelenting horror of the show uh, maybe keeps you from possibly identifying as much because mostly the people you're identifying with in the first place are pretty dark individuals themselves to begin with without mm-hmm. the kind of little spark of humanity uh, underneath all of that darkness like the, the Dexter had. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not... Um, I certainly wouldn't suggest the show looks to change its tone, to change what it is. Um, just for me as a viewer, I, I like to be able to... And, and I'm sure you you share this. It's you want to be able to care about the characters so that then if something happens to them, be it good or bad, you have some emotional response. Um, so when Beverly uh, got killed this season, the my my emotional reaction was more. Oh, here we go. You know, she's. I mean, again, she was shortchanged because she acted alone, didn't she? She was kind of stupid after the the penny had dropped for her, and and then she almost walked into well she did she walked into her own demise um but as as a character the show hadn't done a good job of making me actually care about her um so my reaction was more because oh bloody hell now someone's now someone actually believes will and they're getting bumped off so he's, mm-hmm. he's almost back to square one again just when it seemed like he might have had a a glimmer of hope there uh, so that was the basis of my emotional response not because oh no beverly oh no you know i really liked her there wasn't that um and again with with alana i mean we don't know at this point whether she's going to survive her injuries or not um i think she'd been treated in such a way this season that again i i wasn't i wasn't really upset um i think i would have cared more if something bad had happened to her last season because she got close to will um i mean i I care more about what happens to to hannibal (laughs) i feel closer to him as a character so what that says about me i don't know but um (laughs) obviously the show has focused on hannibal and will and um rightly so uh but i i I mean i'm I'm not a writer i i haven't got the answers and that's why i'm doing a podcast and not um, a showrunner, <laughs> but um, I, I hope they can. I hope the writers can do something to um, develop the characters better and make us care more, like like they did with Jack. I mean, he was he was a one of last season's successes, and I agree with you about Chilton. Uh, I mean, he's a bit of a worm, but um, he's he's an enjoyable character to watch. Well, there's uh, he's charismatic, uh, the actor uh, himself, and and of course the the uh, character of Chilton is, is very colorful, um, which I think is is why he has become a, a fan favorite on the show because he just pops on the screen. His character is, is um, quirky, weird, like you said, slimy, a little wormy, but all of that combined creates a compelling character in his own right, and he's a supporting character, and that's kind of what you need you don't have to necessarily have a really quirky weird set of characters um per se but you need to uh imbue your characters with personality and give them enough screen time and really maximize the the moments that you have and really 
uh, take the dramatic tension up with them. So I think with Chilton, they managed to do, I think, a pretty good job this year because um, instead of just, you know, kind of arrogantly staring across his desk uh, at the asylum, um, you know, he was actively engaged outside, uh, you know, finally, you know, became convinced that Hannibal could possibly be, you know, the killer um, all along. And, of course, he teamed up with Jack and everything and, and all this stuff. But, you know, it, it allowed you to kind of see, okay, this guy is kind of slimy and wormy. But at the same time, he's not, you know, he's got his faults, but he's not devoid of a soul, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it allowed you to kind of go, okay, you know, and, I, and I'll be honest, you know, I mean, I, did, I, I, I cared about Chilton. You know, all season long, as just he kind of grew on me a little more as a character because I was like, okay, this guy's coming to his senses. He's now saying to Jack, okay, you know what? Maybe we're wrong. Okay, maybe, maybe Hannibal is the killer. And, and then after, after that, it really kind of helped out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you what, Gareth, uh, I wanted to do, uh, two more questions and I thought we could just wrap it up. Yeah, sure. Okay. All right, so um, the, the two questions that I have left are we've talked about the weaknesses of the show, and I know this is going to kind of cover over a little bit of some territory that we've already covered, but um, just give me uh, your quick uh, rundown of what you feel the major strengths of each show are. Okay, um, the central characters. I think that's something both shows share in terms of strengths. Will and Hannibal are both very compelling uh, and disturbed in their own ways. Um, they're multi-layered. They're both very intelligent, both very manipulative. I mean, Will is showing – he ticks some boxes in the, the, the psychopath department. <laughs> and manipulation, being a master manipulator is one of them. <laughs> so you know i mean that's we could probably discuss that in a whole other podcast is will a psycho discuss um and then you've got dexter who was just a wonderful um wonderful character from the start um a flawed anti-hero um someone for us to root for someone who takes out the trash from society and um but ultimately wants to wants to be human wants to be normal um i mean it's not quite a disney plot where uh, uh the message is very much be yourself <laughs> but um maybe not being maybe being a serial killer isn't quite uh, a, a goal to aim for um so the central characters definitely strengths in both shows uh and if we're talking within the first two seasons of both shows top-notch writing top-notch storytelling um well-paced drama uh a good balance of certainly for dexter a good balance of characters within the show you had your serious characters like dokes um you had your humorous characters you had your lovable characters um to support dexter um obviously we've talked about my my feelings about the support supporting cast of Hannibal so I wouldn't say for me that's such a strength not across the board um 
but uh, the tension in both shows, tension coming from different sources, but both shows, great tension, great drama, um, both emotional roller coasters, twists and turns, um, great, great quality shows. Uh, and, and I think at the end of, as, as, if we're looking at both shows at the end of their, at the point of uh, getting to the end of season two, both certainly at this, at this point, and we know for Dexter, it was at a, at its peak. Uh, I mean, it was, it was to have its high points later, uh, but it was just consistently good. Um, and Hannibal has, has been pretty consistent as well. I, I'm just hoping it's not going to follow Dexter and have hit its peak now that maybe the best is yet to come. Uh, yeah, well, I'll tell you what, um, I mean, I'm not want to kick out any spoilers, big spoilers or anything, but I will, I will say this for, not listening. Uh, I, I'm not listening at all. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm going. I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> all I'm going to say is that, um, uh, for Hannibal, based on what I have officially, uh, heard, uh, we will be in an entirely different country for a majority of next season. Stay in touch with Michael between episodes by going to the podcast Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash Hungry for Hannibal or catch him on Twitter at Hungry for Hannibal. That's at Hungry, the number four, Hannibal. So I can, I can have a guess as to which country that is. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not. <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think so. I think everybody that watched the show is probably, yeah. Go ahead, sure. Well, I was I was just looking just before we spoke tonight. I had a look on IMDb for to see if there was a uh, a, a rough date of when the show will return, and I saw the title of the um, of episode one for next season, and it it um, it seems to have an Italian flavor. Mm. Yes. Is that, well, is that all, what you think? Yes, all Italian dishes for the names yep. of the episodes next season. And, uh, yes, they will be in Italy. Um, and, and, and mind you, um, I'm going to be injecting a spoiler warning before this podcast even begins. Um, yeah. so, you know, so anything, anything we've talked about is people are going to become, uh, they'll be aware that if they watch, if they read this or not read this, listen to this, that they will be possibly hearing some spoilers, but yes, they will be in Italy. There'll be, uh, Bedelia, it'll be uh, Bedelia and and Hannibal. There'll be a lot of uh, a lot of focus on those two characters and a few other characters. Um, I've heard for some time they've been trying to get David Bowie on the show mm. um, as as uh, he will be have an important role in Hannibal's uh, past. Put it that way. Put it lightly. Um, so yes. Um, it's it's that's the, I think the direction they're going and and to be quite honest we're talking about uh, hopefully the show hasn't peaked I think you know when I read the uh, thing the uh, interview with Brian Fuller at the end of the season he said look season one season two we're basically doing a reboot in a to a certain extent because this is going to be a completely different setting it's going to be it's going to almost going to be like a new show and i think that that is brilliant if they do it that way because um it keeps it fresh like you said mm. so yeah i'm all for that yeah. excited so okay so the last question is <clears throat> who would win uh in hand-to-hand co- hand-to-hand combat between hannibal and dexter 
Oh, now we're getting to the question the audience really wants answering. It's the final. It's, 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 it's the final question. This is this, this is yeah. <laughs> this is what they've been waiting for. Well, we've we've not seen either of these guys in all that much hand to hand combat, and we've we've um we had that brilliant fight between Hannibal and Jack, and 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 we have seen him um uh, fight a few bad guys off before. Both, we know, are accomplished serial killers who have honed their craft over many years and many victims. So direct combat, I suspect, has usually been avoided, certainly for Dexter. Uh, and I suspect Hannibal as well. I don't think he would go on, would wade into face-to-face confrontation if he can help it. However, from what we've seen of them, I'd have to say my money would be on Hannibal. He's shown himself to be a very technical fighter. We've seen him handle himself very well against single and multiple assailants. While Dexter, he's had very few fights that we've seen. And he was shown to be a bit vulnerable if he was up against someone either the same size or bigger than him. So in a fight against Hannibal, Dexter might get lucky. But I think despite... What I suspect is is a reasonable weight advantage. Dexter does seem to be the bulkier, stockier guy. I do feel that Hannibal would have the skills to win. Uh, yeah. I, you know what? I think I agree with what you're saying. Um, I I think it would be close. I think each, if there was a fight, um, whether they both had a knife or just hand to hand, I think that each each one would have their moments in the fight. To, and, I, and I'm certainly even if Hannibal were to win, I'm 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 thinking he comes out of the fight uh, badly injured, um, maybe not mortally injured, but I think he I think he would if he killed Dexter, I think he would at least exit the fight respecting uh, Dexter for for one hell of a battle, put it that way. Um, but I think he would definitely come out bloody, the worst for wear and. I think he might even have some scars that may never disappear, put it that way. So, but I do think you're right. I think ultimately, I think Hannibal probably would 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 be the one to get the last and final blow in. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and then have him on toast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, you know, I eat corned beef hash in the morning. I think uh, the corned beef is going to be replaced with something. Uh, Little different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, hey, this you know this has been uh, a lot of fun actually. Uh, this is this is a fun conversation I think uh, to have, comparing and contrasting and having a general um, conversation involving two shows that are both very similar and yet very different at the same time. Um, I love each show for different reasons, and I highly respect each show. For different reasons, um, but ultimately each is is placed uh, very high on my list of, of great shows that I've watched. Obviously, Hannibal has got some time to go. It can either um, continue to stay at its ridiculous heights, or it could um, hopefully not cross your fingers, but hope it could it could drop and tumble, um, you know, down the quality ladder. So. I guess it's just hoping that the show doesn't do that. And um, 
you know, I just think that it's, uh, it's just, a, like I said, it's a fun conversation to have though. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, I, I have to echo your, your sentiments there. Very, uh, well, both shows about serial killers, they share, they do share some of the, some common ground, but so very different as well in, in so many ways. Uh, but both certainly at this point in their, in their runs, very high quality and, um, two of my favorites mm. and it's it's been fun thank you for for having me on i've very much enjoyed giving consideration to uh the showdown and com- and comparing and contrasting the the two shows and the you know the pros and cons and and what have you it's uh yeah it's been good good food for thought mm. <laughs> yeah so uh all right so a quick a quick uh toss out here of, of things uh to come for people that are listening to this podcast um as we get closer, I know there's some months away before uh, Hannibal is going to be coming back to us, uh, but there's going to get to a point where we're going to be about, I'd say about 10 weeks out, maybe 12 weeks out is probably better. Um, what I'm going to be looking for uh, is questions that you want answered. Um, I'm going to try to get to a point where I'm doing, um, have 10, 10 questions and I want to re- 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 resolve each question uh one week at a time leading up to the season preview podcast so um if you toss in a question and and i get it um i'll do 10 small short little podcast episodes probably no more than five or ten minutes uh leading up to the season preview podcast and then uh i'll cover a lot of ground in there and Hopefully we'll get on to another great season of, of Dexter. And, uh, you know, Gareth, uh, if time permits, you are certainly more than welcome to be on the season uh, preview podcast. Thank you. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how we go nearer the time. I'm, uh, as, as you know, because we, we've been trying to schedule this for some time. and <laughs> My <laughs> yeah. schedule is, is often very busy and uh, recording opportunities limited. But um, sure. Definitely. yeah, we'll, we'll touch base nearer the time. Sure. Yeah. All right, Gareth. Well, uh, thank you for uh, joining me, and uh, hopefully we'll be uh, hungry for more Hannibal very soon. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hello to all of the Hannibal fans out there that have just spent the last uh, hour and 20 minutes or so listening to uh, Gareth Watkins and uh, my discussion on Hannibal versus Dexter. So I just want to throw out a quick message here um, before I officially end the podcast. So first things first, I want to thank Gareth Watkins for again for coming on this show and really devoting some spare time to you know doing what was you know a podcast episode that didn't I guess really need to happen, but I just thought it was kind of a fun. Uh, you know, little subject to tackle. And to be honest, now that the episode's over and I've done some editing and uh, had a chance to listen to, you know, chunks of the podcast, I have to say I'm really pleased with with uh, with what we talked about. You know, on the surface, what I thought would be kind of just like a fun little um, in episode that would be honestly shorter than it turned out to be, um, it's it's beca- it became a, a pretty in depth and um, interesting conversation on comparing two shows. So 
uh yeah it's just it's it's been uh a very a very excellent uh way to spend uh an evening i guess you could say but but that being said you know, you know with gareth uh you know he's got a family he's got kids and i know that there are a lot of things that he probably enjoys doing so to take uh time out of his busy schedule and um when he could be doing plenty of other things uh to come on to my podcast and um and just basically talk for an hour and a half is uh greatly appreciated um i have been a fan of of Gareth's dissecting dexter podcast for for many years Actually, um, I've I've been on his podcast before, uh, sending a lot of feedback over the years, which is I think a testament to just being someone who enjoys uh, listening to, uh, you know, his work as as a podcaster and obviously the subject matter. So um, I thank him greatly for coming on here and uh, helping make this this podcast episode a reality. Uh, so. Moving on from that a little bit, uh, I just want to thank you as well, all the people out there. I, I um, that I've I've managed to get a great amount of support over the first season. Um, when you jump into podcasting, it's always a scary thing. You don't know whether anybody's going to listen to it at all, and and certainly you know send in feedback. And and I have you know a lot of people that that you know, uh, message me or email me. I've had people in the off season email me and say, Hey, you know, just caught your podcast. Uh, you know, I can't wait till, till the next season. I can't wait till the podcast starts back up. And and I gotta say, that's really, um, gratifying and it, it helps make doing this podcast so much more enjoyable because I can sit and listen to myself talk, which, you know, fine, you know, I, I can offer my opinion when I record a podcast, but it's hearing from you, and I've said this before in my, my podcast, and, and I'll probably continue to say it, but it's hearing from, from you that, that really makes it the most enjoyable, because then we can have a dialogue. You know, you can ask a question or offer an opinion, and I can then, you know, give you a rebuttal, you know, and, and let you know what I think about what, what what your opinion is, and you just can't you can't beat that um, that kind of interaction um, on a, on a podcast. So, yeah, I just hope that you continue to enjoy the podcast. Now, as I said in the in earlier, the podcast will start ramping up here uh, before too long. I, I I don't want to give a specific date. Um, but there will be a time around uh, 12 to 13 weeks out, something like that, where I'm going to start doing uh, short 5 to 10 minute um, podcast episodes where I'll take a question from you um, and, you know, maybe it's a question for next season, an opinion on the show, whatever, you know, take some kind of feedback. A question would be, would be, would be best, I guess, about the next season, but I'll take anything that you you throw at me, and I will I will then create you know ten episodes leading up to the premiere, and uh, leading up to the preview podcast actually, and hopefully you know that will allow uh, me to create some 
more episodes so it's not quite so barren leading up to the show, show's third season. And uh, it will give you a chance to, you know, start thinking about next season, start thinking about the, the hard questions that you uh, want answers for. So anyway, I don't want to keep on, you know, going on too, too long here and everything. Uh, but like I said, I, thank you, Gareth, for coming on. Um, you're certainly welcome anytime. And for all the people out there that listen to my podcast, uh, thank you for, um, oh, thank you for listening, really. And thank you for any feedback that you send in. So, okay. Well, anyway, um, I guess it's time to, to go. And um, I hope that uh, you will be hungry for more Hannibal. I know I'm hungry for more Hannibal. And I hope that you'll be ready to listen to more episodes of this show very soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye.